Hey, welcome to Smoker Broker. I'm Robert Mesh. I'm the guy they call Smoker Broker. Hope everything's going well uh, as we move into the spring. Obviously, the uh, uh, geared up time for uh, house sales. And this probably could be one of the more interesting years that we've ever gone into because it's probably one of the first times that we're just, eh, I'm not so sure what it does. Um, I- I'm convinced it's not bad uh, or even like concerning. But I'm not so sure how great it is, you know, if it's if it's just flourishing or if it's uh, uh, it's just average. It's like it's almost trying to redefine itself. It's trying to figure out where it's at in a world that's involved by inflation, interest rates and, you know, uh, job loss, government money being over with. It's it's an interesting time frame. And, uh, you know, housing is always at the center stage of the economic uh you know, consistencies of the United States and the rest of the world too, for that matter. But that's why real estate is so fascinating because it really does dictate uh, or is a result of a lot of the other issues that we see out there. And we're certainly experiencing every which way uh, right now with what's going on. There's not one um, uh, counterattack that we don't see at this point. That's something that we don't have to turn our eyes to. You know, usually it's, it, it's, it's the, uh, maybe the seller, there's not enough inventory or, or, or then there, there's way too much inventory and that's it. Or there's the interest rates high and that's it. Uh, but when you combine all of it, it makes it a little difficult for us. And when you've done it as long as the three of us have, it, it, it can be very hard for us to try to predict trends. And even when we sit in front of a client right now, it's not the easiest thing for us. I mean, we really have to, you know, kind of look at what we're doing, what we're, you know, uh, what we're saying, you know, clarifying, is this right? Uh, you know, are we, are we saying what is actually correct or are we really way off? And we're just not as a hundred percent confident as we historically have been. So there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, the whole point of expertising in a particular subject is that you can give the best possibility uh, to what you think. And if there's not a guarantee or anything that's confident, then that, that's the best that's out there. So it's, it doesn't matter that you can't be 100%. It's just how you set the expectation uh, to the person you're talking to. And that has become quite a bit of a challenge for us uh, as we move into really, you know, we crossed last week as the opening to what we consider to be the selling season. Uh, you know, you've got uh, uh, March or May and June are typically the heaviest volume sales for most real estate agents. And that goes, um, you know, right up to the end of uh, July, uh, September, August. You know, the schools, school calendars change so much in so many of the different areas that we're in. You know, so that's why I have to kind of go, well, is it September? Is it August? Is it? <laughs> I don't know which one anymore. But uh, the schools. The schools tend to go a little bit earlier than they used to. So our summer season kind of does hit that July point. Uh, but we really do make over 60% of our income during that time frame. So we're, we're entering it. We're at the beginning of it, which is a good thing for real estate agents, because um, if the market is you know somewhat average or even decent, then that's where they usually make most of their money. So today we're going to talk about uh, probably one of the more uh, requested topics that uh, people ask us about and it's the most generic but it's the most difficult because it's theoretical and it's based on experience and it's situational based and anytime you start getting to situational base that becomes a disadvantage for a newer agent because they haven't seen enough to be able to respond and a lot of times when it comes to negotiations it is situational based, meaning you have to respond on the spot. And that can be very hard for someone to do. So a lot of our uh, viewing audience are people who are new age, especially in that one to five years. And it's um, uh, it, this this show is very good for them, especially this episode, because we're, we're going to kind of give you some hints as to what you should know. We're also going to give you some quick outs when you don't know what to do, which is probably the most important part. Uh, but this should be a good one uh, for you. We're probably going to do uh, for this entire episode, we're going to talk about negotiations and we go through several types of negotiations. You know, we talk about we're going to do contract because that's the bigger one. 
but we're also going to possibly get into appraisal negotiations and inspection negotiations, which I'll try to minimize that because we, we start getting into an inspection episode when we do that. Uh, but we might even talk about commission uh, negotiations, which that, that's actually something that uh, my peers like Brent and, and Mike are a lot better than me because I, I'm probably I don't negotiate. strong willing <laughs> uh, over there. But, you know, that's why you have other guys with you. And, and these are two of my longtime friends. And uh, they uh, they are pretty much the center part of the show that, that we've done for a long time. 165 episodes. That's a lot of episodes uh, out there. Uh, so I got my buddy Mike Dallas on this side, this side over here, right? <laughs> and, uh, longtime friend, really good guy. Probably could be an outstanding agent if he worked 80 hours a week. But I don't blame him. I wouldn't either. And I got my buddy down there, but, um, Brent Holbrook, who pretty much runs the, the show for us um, at uh, SWR, uh, which is our flagship at, at Keller Williams. We've been there for quite some time, and uh, it has served us well. And it allows us to have these type of platforms to where we can have more knowledge and talk to you guys about what it is that we do, because we see so much, especially at a, uh, a larger firm. So uh, we are going to start off with the big one and we'll start talking about the contract negotiations and you know this goes a lot of different ways but everything we're going to discuss for the next 45 minutes or so is going to be relevant because it's something that we do in each of the negotiations that we have it's something that we have to do because it's mandatory to what we're trying to accomplish so brand let's do a um Let's start. It doesn't matter. Let's start. You pick one. What what type of negotiation you want to talk about on a contract side? Uh, do you want to be on the seller side? Do you want to be on the buyer side? Doesn't matter where we. Um, well, I think in the market we're in, it's probably let's look at it from the seller side. Mm-hmm. You know what what they're going to want to see. Okay, that's a uh, good. One. So we want to talk about an offer comes in, and we're the listing agent, and how we're going to negotiate it, right? Yep. Yep. And you know we could say it's you know, the very first day on the market or first weekend and you've gotten your first offer in, right? And then how do you approach that as a listing agent knowing that there's a chance that you might get other offers coming in, right? You know, do you negotiate aggressively and try to take it off the market or do you wait? And that's a negotiation in itself. It is. That's a great point to make. Uh, it is. It, it, I'll be here all week. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's, it's also something that you'd be talking with about uh, to your to your seller about beforehand it's like if we get an offer tomorrow you know we might not you know be nearly as we're, we're gonna want pretty much everything that we want i mean that's right and i like the way both of them said that because they already hit one of the first takeaways you notice that both of their comments really kind of center around strategy and and and, and strategy and negotiations go hand in hand uh, because the negotiation is the actual act that we're going to do but that act, we have to have the strategy about what we are going to do when it happens. And what both of them are doing, it's why they do the show with me, because they they know better, is that that has to be discussed before we get into it. They are already setting the stage for their seller. So for, for anybody who's new, lots of takeaways in this one. Um, you know, in the first five minutes of it, and, and this is your first one, that you should have already talked to that seller about what could happen. And I'm not talking about 20 days from now. I'm talking about what the first couple of days look like. They should know what possibly can happen, different alternatives, because whichever alternative that's going to be, it's going to affect the way we negotiate with that particular person. All right. So those are great. Those are great starts in there. Great comments. to It's changed dramatically over the past 12 months, probably four different times. It has. And, you know, even more significant, it, for the first time that I think ever, it's changed multiple times inside of two years. That doesn't happen very often. Usually a shift occurs and it stays like that for a three or four year period and then it shifts to something else. We've seen three or four shifts within the last two years. And and I will tell you, it has tried, it's been trying on me because it's it's the most difficult type of market because you it's really hard to make the predictions you need to and the predictions fall into the same conversation we're having right now about negotiations because it, it matters on what we're going to tell them on how we tell them to respond okay um, i'll give you one um 
on the same topic and it's alive it's an existing one so i had one where i intentionally listed it much higher than it should have been i knew it uh, i told i didn't it wasn't me rookie doing what the client told me and i specifically told them uh, i go that's 30 to 40 thousand dollars too high and they go well can we try it i go we can try it i go i just want you to promise me that if we don't see what we need to we we do it what i originally said and they were good with that so one on the market um it was for 400k uh 20 showings the first day so i'm like great it's gonna be typical all good you know uh last couple years in the market should have multiple offers by the end of the day nothing okay has to get shown a few more times uh and then we go to the next weekend and there's no showings so yeah you had the obvious conversation with them i go back with them i'm like so they go well i thought we were doing well i go having a lot of people come in the house and not one of them wanting to put an offer in and even worse not even a lowball offer is very bad yeah that's not good i go that's pretty much telling you what i told you that it's, it's too high which <laughs> i'm a big i told you so guy <laughs> anybody that knows me doesn't know i don't take a shot at but <clears throat> i told someone i told you you know because i enjoy doing that um so we lowered it but, but, and here, here's the interesting part of this negotiation okay so we lowered it to uh, 374.9 and it still didn't get anything. Now, what was interesting to me on this is that usually when you're really overpriced, you don't ever see anything, period. Not even the first time. So it was awkward to me that the first wave came in and nobody did anything. And then I lowered and nobody did either. And this is a terrible conversation. Because this is what happened, or at least what I suspect happened. At the 400K price point, we had a lot of those people in that 450 range that looked at that property. And they're like, oh, God, this isn't even close. So then we drop it to the 375. But then 355 buyers didn't think that the 375. So we got caught in the middle. It's a really bad place. Now, that's not a mistake. We don't know that until it happens. But when I saw it, I was like, oh, shit, this is the worst. I go, this is, we are caught in, it's really no man's land because it signaled to me that both price points were on. Now, in defense of myself, I was, in fact, the one that said, we really should start this thing at 349 and it probably sells between 335 and 325. So if you'd like your house done correctly, contact Brent, 972-567-318. I don't overprice my listing right here. To be fair, we went under contract at the exact price that I told them we were originally going to. So if you really want to get into expertise, I was right. Uh, it's just a matter of should we have wasted that kind of time or not. But see, that's what the great part about this show is. There's no necessarily right or wrong answer there. The key was... Were they on the same page with what I was doing? Now, what would have been wrong? Like if someone like Dallas had done it, he would have started started yelling. (laughs) They would have started saying, why in the F do I have to drop this? You said I was going to get this amount. And um, it it makes it, and of course I'm joking. I'm like, he would never do that. But there are a lot of people that would. You know, this is the exact same thing. Probably what, 13 years ago when I started, you said, you know, hey, you know, if uh, someone wants to price their house too high, you say, all right, we can try it, which is the exact same thing. So different reasons, different reasons, like slightly different reasons. Uh, so I take 13 years ago. In, I take day. a lot of pride in that, especially with you being a closer friend and you would take any advantage to make fun of me or do something to me like I do to you. I, I, that's a great, I love that comment from you because it's absolutely true. There isn't much that is changing. I'll tell you why that is a good comment. The markets change. There's shifts. You know, I've been through three or four of them in, in 22 years. But the consistency on how we respond is the same. And, you know, Mike just very um, 
genuinely said something that's true. I've never changed my philosophy on telling someone, I can tell you right now, that's probably not going to work. If you want to take a shot at it, that's fine. I go, but I don't want to hear it when it's coming down. And I don't want you to act like I bait and switched you by saying, oh, it's going to sell this because I never did. I made it clear what I was going to sell it at. I just told you we'd take a shot at it. Now, what's interesting about what Mike said from years ago, years ago, that would have been harder because the market wasn't as robust as it, as it is now. Like today, when I tell someone I'll take a chance, I actually, part of me thinks that they might get one because we've seen it. We've seen when someone price it high and they get a bite. That would have been back harder 13 years ago. Mike, when they tried it and it really was crickets because I'm like, I, I could have told you that was going to happen. I can do the same now, but there is a chance. And that's the difference between the two markets. But the response is the same. And it is the negotiating part. Now, what's funny about this part, this negotiation is negotiation with the seller. This is where you're negotiating with the seller saying, hey, look, I, you know, I, I want to make sure you understand what it is that we're trying to do. So that's why I opened this uh, show up for negotiations in general, because there's so many different types that we do. And you have to be able to react, react to them. And I like the way we're doing this because we're actually starting from the very beginning that those are the problems that we see with the seller. And we haven't even gotten to the real issue when we start dealing with, I'm going to call it an adversary, but it's not. Uh, but from someone who's on the other side that is trying to win, uh, our competitor, I guess that's a better word, uh, trying to do a better job of negotiating. It brings us to another conversation, another takeaway for today. When it talks about negotiations, <clears throat> is there a winner and is there a loser? I don't know. Um, you know, you'd like to think that you're on the side that you are the winner, right? But then you also have to start defining what's winning. Is winning that you got them lower when they were already overpriced? Or is, is, is winning that you got a house that they really wanted. And, and I, I, I intentionally say it the way I do, because I'm not so sure you ever can classify it's a win or a loss. I really think it's a matter of what was the goal in originally and did you succeed in it without really going out of bounds with what you were trying to do. Like the conversation about the, I got it $5,000 lower. There are some people that'd be like, that's a, that's great. You know, you got it lower. I'm like, the house is overpriced by 10,000. Did they, did they really do a good job there? You know, it becomes perspective. Now, those of you who are like, well, this no. is uh, yeah, I'm like, I know. I got, and that's what I'm trying to tell you is that in the negotiation strategy, is it that we're telling that client that they're winning or they're losing by the way that happened? And I'm not so sure it's defined as a win or a loss traditionally. I think the real win is, did we get done what everybody wanted done? Okay. So we're talking about the seller side. Clearly the seller side in negotiation, there's one goal. The goal should be to sell the house. But then the second goal becomes to maximize, you know, the, the amount of money that comes back for the seller at the least amount of cost. Okay, well, so I think it comes down to what's their goal, right? I mean, sometimes maximum profit is not what their goal is. It's to go quickly, you know, it's to get their job done. So, you know, maybe it's not black and white, right? You know, did you accomplish what they wanted? You know, are they happy? You know, I don't think it's just like, oh, I won or I lost, you know, how, how satisfied were they with the process and would they use you again? Yes, so I like that because I really think that that's the true part of negotiation. A negotiation is not a win or a loss. Uh, the, the, well, unless you want to define victory as being satisfied, because to me, that is the ultimate goal. It's, it's interesting over the years, so many people respond to us as our job is to, you know, financially do good for them and help them. And I think a lot, especially on the seller side, I think a lot of sellers have the perspective that my hour number one goal is to get the most for them. I'm like, that's really not true. It's not. The goal is to get the house sold 
because outside of something really weird that we had to really drop it or really go higher with it in the end it was always going to sell somewhere in that range so i'm like I, I don't know what your your victory is because we knew it would sell so i, re I really don't you know the fact that you say oh i got 50k out of it so did you did you get 50k more than you were hoping for or did were you hoping for 40k and you got 50k and, and, and is the 10k a win and are, are you about to buy another house where you're going to have to give that 10k back it's all perspective well and how about setting that expectation right at the beginning because if you're not a competent agent and you tell them hey you're going to walk away with 150 even though and i'm not saying but you're overpriced listing robert but if, if you're really overpricing a listing and you're telling them wrong and then they actually get a fair offer they're going to think they lost because you told them the wrong amount at the beginning. And that is just like in Caddyshack and it's the same in real estate. That is poor caddying, uh, minus the smoking grass. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, it's poor caddying and it's poor realty. And it, it's, it's a horrible black mark on the industry. Unfortunately, the real estate industry, and this is important, especially for our newer agents out there. It is a fact that the general public views 80% of the agents as not very strong because of this type of behavior of what we're talking about. They're just not trained to do what they're supposed to do and they don't know any better. And I'll give some a little bit of defense on that. The ones that are enthusiastic and that will eventually become really good real estate agents it is hard because it's not fair that they haven't seen some of those things yet. It's not that they're doing a bad job. They just haven't seen enough of it yet. Uh, but then you have the ones that really are that bad and did a bad job or were told what to do and didn't do it or just never knew in the first place, which is even a more cardinal sin for the brokerage. But that's why the industry can sometimes get a bad name. Now, that sounds like, a you know, I'm like raining on our parade on what we do. Most good agents love that because most good agents know damn good well what they're up against. And they know that unless it's someone who's close to their level, they're probably going to beat the living hell out of them because they know what that person is going to say. They know where they're weak. Now, I always stay neutral on the show for the most part. I mean, we, we do work for Keller and we do, you know, we do have one of the largest teams in the country. And, you know, hopefully most of our listeners appreciate it. I really talk about like our own group, you know, our SWR group. But uh, I, I will chime in when I think it is something that we do right. And, and one thing that we do very right is even for those newer agents, we make damn sure before they walk in there that they've already been told what to expect, that we've already gone through the role play of what if they did this or what if they did that. And they do have 22 years ironically how long I've been in it of experience because we made sure they did it. And, and, and that really becomes a game changer when you're a newer agent, because that is the hardest part. The first five years are the most difficult. And it's funny, everybody talks about the first year, but it's so short-sighted because the first year, all they point to is that I didn't sell enough. And you know, y'all, as much as I bust Brent's balls all the time, and rightfully so, because he does it 500 times more to me. We joke all the time about how Brent was not a very good salesperson his first couple of years. He was a good mentor. Yeah, it's my fault. I mean, seriously, if you really want to look at it, it is. It is. It is my fault. Um, but he wasn't. And that that certainly didn't reflect where he's at today and what he knows. But you know, it, it's hard when you're when you're first in there. If you judge that my sales are are, are what's going to you know create me, that's ridiculous. You know, Mike's a good example too. Damn, what I do? Nothing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Actually, a compliment for once. Oh, uh, Jesus! This is. Well, I thought we were in negotiations, not bust Mike, Mike and Brent. <laughs> it all falls into the same category. Um, 
you know, Mike. It wasn't a strong draft class in 2010, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't. (laughs) Robert had no first and second round picks, man. No, we were deep in the seventh round. You guys are seventh rounders. (laughs) You picked us up off waivers. Dude, I was, dude, I was free agent. (laughs) You got your walk-ons. So Mike's the first one to tell you. He's. Mike does real estate for what he wants to do with it, and, and he's very competent at it. He 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 would be the first one to joke. He he's not doing eighty hours a week and, and, and pulling him, himself into it, but he does it the way he wants to. But his knowledge is just the same when he goes through these things. He too is not just a massive, you know, I'm selling left and right. But that doesn't take away from. His negotiation oh, sure it, does. No. <laughs> it, it doesn't take away from his negotiation powers because he knows better. So well, I'm he, like Brent, I don't negotiate. We don't. We also jumped into the market in the worst, you know, market in which the can last be good at times. Years. Yeah. You know, on that That's same note, you know, you know, like you said, I mean, sellers and buyers are completely different. If you get a buyer, if you drop the price for a buyer five thousand dollars. It, it's still $5,000, but their monthly payment is minimally changed at best. Yeah. $5,000 more for a seller, that's a big win. They got to pay a lot of closing costs. So, and, that, and that's a good point. point. And I don't bring that one up as much. I was about to comment on your uh, uh, your 5000 on the buy side because we, we talked about that a lot. We, we made it very clear that uh, I've been quoted many times for when someone's bitching that we're five or $10,000 off. I, I mean, really, it, that is no more than a couple of Chick-fil-A meals a month if you really look at it. Mm-hmm. So it is. I mean, if you really look at how much Chick-fil-A much, costs. You eat, you eat $5,000 at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> not what I said. And first of all, I don't eat it. My kids do. But we will. I've told y'all, if it's for three of us, <clears> it's like $65. And the kids, what they eat, is just ridiculous. But do two of those. And you start talking about what well, we say every ten thousand or so, it's a hundred dollars or whatever. I mean, what are we talking about? Why was ten thousand dollars that big of a deal? But what Mike said that I don't say a lot of is on the other end of it. It is important because that's all net. That's all it's coming back to a seller, and now it is five thousand. They're not making a payment. That's but $5,000 to a buyer in a concession, that's a big deal. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, um, I don't talk much about the other side of that, but it's true. So there is a big difference between, um, it's a good clarification when we're talking about negotiation. Did you win or did you lose the five or 10,000 on the buy side? That, and that's the takeaway, by the way, is that on the buy side, the five or 10,000, I'm like, well, from a negotiation standpoint, I would have lost a house. And, well, I've said that many times. I think it's ridiculous to lose a house over five or $10,000. If you've gone through a terrible battle and it's been so ridiculous, that's different. But in the beginning, you should never lose a house for five or 10000 especially if it's one you want to live in. Okay. <coughs> but on the sales side, the negotiation is different because the five or $10,000 might make a difference on what it is you're going to pay something with or what it is that you're about to go into. So that's a great negotiation takeaway. It's two different things we're dealing with here. When we're looking at, is it the seller that we're dealing with or is it the buyer that we're dealing with? So that's really good. Those are really good points there. Okay. Um, let's talk, let's think of another example in the, let, let's talk about generic negotiation when an offer comes in. All right. So let's do the most basic thing in historically what's the market normally is. So let's say we have a house at 300K and we're on the buy side this time and the buyer and, and we'll make the assumption that the house has been comp properly and at 300 is fair. What should the offer on the property be? Okay. Now, especially for new people, this is, this is good because this is not supposed to work. It hasn't been like that for years. And it's still not there yet, but it's getting back to this. So what we're talking about now is not only historically correct, but what we should be back in full-fledged by summer. So we've always taught the crews that uh, there's no science, there's no manual, there's nothing that says you have to do it one way. It's one of the great things about real estate. There is no set way that you have to do it. It's all negotiating. 
hence the part in the name of this podcast. But most of us would say that on a house that's under 500K, we would come in 10K below and that we would hope that we eventually meet somewhere in the middle. The most generic type of negotiation is where the offer is lower, the initial, and then the seller comes back with the counter and then the buyer either decides they're going to take that or they hit them one more time. There is no back and forth 30 or 40 times. It's actually kind of like a fist fight when you're younger, for those of you who ever have done it. You know, everybody thinks it's like this long five minute. It's usually two or three punches and that's about it. <laughs> and it's quick. Uh, it's it's the same thing. You're not going back forth, you know, uh, trying to figure out a price point. It's usually that quick. So if you're new and you're in a regular market, 300K if it's comp, right? You come in at 290 Seller comes back, what about 295? You're like, that sounds good. We'll meet it and we're done. That's traditionally the right way to do it. Um, now, you're always going to come across that buyer that wants to be more aggressive. So here's another takeaway from today. So I love this. This, this show can be done 48 hours over and over and over again because we can have different scenarios. But every scenario you get um, is a better one. So you can have a buyer that does the old, you know, shoot for the moon, right? That's what we call that. They shoot for the moon. Their attitude, because they're so smart and they've done this for so long, is that, well, what's the worst that can happen? They say no. And I'm like, that's not the worst that can happen. They say nothing. That That's bad. Or even worse, they are told, don't come back on the property or we'll hit you for trespassing, which I've seen because they get angry by the other person. There are penalties. Brian, I remember if you, it, it's been a while since I told the gym story, not our, any of our gyms, one of our, um, one of my original clients, but yes, you, you remember Jim, right? He's great. He's just, just great friend of mine. Just a super, he's just a good guy, but he was very admin. You know, he, he's not the type that wants to lose any type of conversation or, you know, whatever. Well, uh, this happened. So we were listing his house and uh, actually, ironically, I think it was at 400K or something like that. And the buyer used the tactic. This is when I first started too. this is this. So I'm, I'm learning as well. But to this day, I still use his line because it's so good, especially when we talk about this type of subject. So the the buyer decided to lowball Jim. Well, because they know you overprice it. So <laughs> Jim's not the type of guy you want to lowball. Okay. So the uh, and this is a great lesson for someone who's new. The offer came in like at three twenty five. I didn't even want to give it to Jim because I know how Jim is, and, and, and I, I knew he's going to get upset. I mean, like really upset. And I, I don't even want to give it to him. But like I said, for our newer agents, this is a two for one here. I don't have a choice. I have to tell him. But I'm not kidding that even for me, I, I didn't want to tell him. I, I knew what he was going to do. I actually thought he was going to yell at me for even bringing it, even though it wasn't my fault. I, I thought he was going to yell at me. So I was really prepared. And I, I did the old, hey, we got an offer. I go, I wouldn't jump for joy on it. You're not going to like it. And back then, we actually had to go see them. You guys got so lucky now, but we'd have to actually sit at the table with them. So I get there and I'm like, I don't want to do this. I'm just going to suck, you know? So he, he submarines me and he, and he goes the complete opposite way. So I'm ready for him just to start screaming at me. And, you know, I, I go, well, look, the offer is, it's at 325, but you know, you can just tell him to get lost. So he's sitting there. It takes like a three, like a 30 second pause. And I think, I thought he was like trying to breathe so he could get enough breath to yell at me. And then he, he opens his mouth, but he calmly goes, let's counter it 450. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I go from, I go from, oh shit, I don't want to do this. to I'm like, oh shit, I can't do that. <laughs> so I, I, of course I think he's joking. But if, if you really knew Jim, he's like, no, 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 I'm, you need to counter at 450. I go, I go, Jim, I, I, I get, I get your point. He's like, no, no, you don't understand. 
I'm telling you to. He goes, I'm telling you to do what I told you to do and go tell him. So he's making a very specific point. So, uh, here's, the, here's the moral of the story, and it's a terrible one, at least for the buyer it was. The fact that I didn't tell you is the buyer really wanted this house, and they were using this negotiation tactic. Unfortunately for them, it is the last person they should have ever done it with is someone like Jim. So I did what I was supposed to. I, I countered back. The other agent had already been instructed what to do. And they said, uh, point taken. He just wanted to see where he was at. He's more than happy you know, to come in at 400. I'm like, yeah. I go, that's the bad news for you. I go, that ain't going to happen either. He goes, you're kidding. He, I, I, why, why wouldn't he take full price? I'd be like, why don't you think about it for just a little bit? And maybe he's the type that doesn't someone like pulling that type of shithead stunt. And he's going to make you pay for it. And that is exactly what happened. Jim also knew that he would eventually get the house sold. It was in a really decent area that sold quick. But if you want the best type of example I can give on negotiations on a very sensitive topic, that is one of my all-time favorites. In fact, I, I didn't even have it written down. I just when we go through scenarios, I remember things. I'm like, that's one of the best negotiation takeaways ever. There are so many agents that are taught that philosophy that it doesn't, nothing can happen. The worst they can say is no. That is just terrible advice. I, I, y'all, that is one example of probably over a hundred. Not just like Jim was a little bit over the bar there, but it's it's at least out of a hundred um, where someone has made somebody else pay for that type of negotiation. So it does matter. There is a consequence to it. It isn't as easy as them just saying no. That is the stupidest and most often used negotiation technique. And, and I have to say, and I got to be careful because I think some of my peers would disagree with me. They've used it before, but I will give you my personal opinion. I think it's a very poor thing to do because I think that anybody who justifies that type of negotiation, because they might say, well, I might get the lowest amount. I'm like, yeah, I go, but you're gambling with what that buyer wants. I go, you're gambling. Now, if they said it's okay that you can gamble, fine. But like in that case, they should, that buyer should have said, don't lose the house, whatever you do. And that's exactly what happened. So you really have to balance your techniques. That's probably one of the best takeaways from this particular episode is making sure that you don't ever let someone say the worst they can do is say, no, I think that's a terrible strategy. Doesn't mean I'm right. It, it, it just means it's a, it, it can backfire terribly. And it's not what you think. And, you know, one thing I didn't talk about, and it kind of goes into the, um, you know, I, I put that we would talk about certain topics possibly today. And we're not going to go into this one just yet. But this happens in the, uh, the negotiation for inspections uh, very uh, often as well, where someone throws this stupid list out there and, and they say, well, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is I was, all, well, we, we like to pride ourselves on this show is live and it's what happens. Brent and I went through this yesterday with one of our better agents. Someone actually we went through it twice this week now to think about it. Actually, what happened is one of our agents had it sent to us from somebody else who did it. And then one of our own agents did it and sent it to somebody else. And I was like, uh-huh. yeah, but they, they did the old, just ask for everything. Now, I was nicer. Brent knew what I was probably going to say, but I didn't to that particular individual. But I basically was very polite and saying, hey, look, I wouldn't send it that way if I were you. What I wanted to say was, if you sent that to me, I wouldn't have done anything. And I might have done four or five of the like on that one, Brent. I absolutely would have done the air conditioned. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I think there was something else in there that had to do. With oh, that was the roof, the foundation. The yeah. roof, yeah. And but now nothing. I go because that is stupid. The way you're coming at me like that. Now the one that I'm talking about with our guy, 
not you. If you're watching, not you. It's stupid to push it and say, because that actually ours did the right thing. Ours went back and readjusted, which I was super impressed by. She actually well, come if, in if you if you come in and you like said, hey, you know, here here's our price, a four hundred thousand dollar house. You know, we're 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 our offer is three seventy five, but they may say right off the bat, but look, they're very happy with the house, and they're going to be very very low key on the inspections. So that's a negotiation tack without negotiating. That's like telling you up front, look. They're gonna we they love the house. They're not gonna ask for much in the inspection. As long as the inspection comes back fairly clean, they're gonna be they're gonna be great with it. Trust me, they're gonna be great with it. Brent, I'm shocked with the amount of contribution that Mike's had today. I mean, you know, I'm you know, I'm I'm gonna leave. I'm leaving. I mean, really good points. I mean, they ones that I actually should have never thought of. That's why I'm here. Yeah, no, I'm well, you are. That's exactly why. So look, great takeaway that Mike just said. That is one of your stronger negotiation techniques. That probably isn't in like any manual, but it's the most effective. And what I really like about what Mike said is it works both ways. It does, but I use it heavily. That is a technique that I use very heavily with somebody. And I did exact what exact what he just said. I'll tell someone. Hey, look, I know I'm a little bit lower. I go, but I'm telling you right now, you can forget about them being any stupid repair request or outside of there being a massive foundation issue, a hole in the roof. I go, I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to do anything. That goes a long way with certain types of negotiations, especially if the house is older. And then he goes and immediately asks for it to be brought up to code. <laughs> that's a great takeaway for today. I mean, really, that's awesome. And I, I like this particular podcast because there's really nothing that's discussed, uh, especially, you know, honestly, I don't know why I keep saying newer agents. There's some, there's some veteran agents that probably don't do a good job at some of this stuff, but almost everything we're discussing are things that you really could use. And all these things that we're talking about, these aren't fake. These aren't, these are proven. Uh, these are proven things that work and what doesn't work. I mean, those I will are, say yeah. on that one of our agents you were talking about, um, I'll give her a little bit of, of grace because it was a complete remodel. And I think she was treating it like it was a, almost like a new construction. Like, well, if you completely redid it and are selling like a flip, this should be fixed. This should be fixed. This should be fixed. The biggest defense of her was she heard what was wrong and she did it. She fixed it immediately. She yep. didn't come back yep. and testify. That's what I was more impressed with her on. I was surprised that she did it. But then when she heard it, she's like, oh, that's, you know, you're right. I need to go. That's the best part is when you have someone, you correct yep. someone. And that's a hard conversation to have. Especially with someone who I think is very good. By the mm-hmm. way, I, if you're watching, you know, I think well of you. This is, this is a great example. We we're actually very proud of you the way you handled that. Because I was surprised if you asked for all that stuff. But Definitely you, not you, Holly, though. Not Holly. Yeah. yeah. Holly would not have done it right, even after I told her. <laughs> so, uh, but she did do a very good job. And I love how she turned around. Actually, what I was really impressed by, there was another it, there was another issue in there where it, it was against one of the things that I, I don't like. Is when it, it actually applies to this negotiation stuff. Uh, it was a repair negotiation. And when we told her, go get rid of all those repairs then she actually did something where she's like well what if we just ask for a dollar amount i go great and and she she actually got a good amount i was surprised um the amount that she got but then she kind of looked blind towards one of the other things we talked about where there was a possible ac issue and she just asked for money well Here's the problem with that, y'all, when you negotiate. This is a good takeaway, too, on the inspection side. If you ask for a straight-up amount, like in lieu of that type of stuff, you shouldn't ever negotiate the stuff that's major. For instance, and air conditioning is a great example. If an inspector says that the air conditioning is not cooling properly, and then you lump that repairing with a bunch of others and say, I'll take 4,000 for it. Well, what happens when you go in there, your AC guy goes out there and one of the coils are busted 
and now it's like a six or seven thousand dollar repair that is not something you want to do so a great takeaway from this particular episode is when you're on the buy side and it's something major you don't ever take money for a major repair you make them do it because there might be something worse foundations the same way they estimate that there's five or six peers and it's two thousand dollars but then somebody else goes in there and goes no it's 35 peers and it's fifteen thousand dollars those are very bad days for you because you should have negotiated the other way. So that's a great takeaway too. Vice versa. You have a critical, right? But it also shows that you know what you're doing. On the seller's side, you do want to give money. You'd much rather give money than do a repair for the same reason. What if there is something worse? And there, as long as you don't know what it is, because that'd be illegal. If you really don't know what it is and you gave money, and then they found out it was worse. That's like a tough shit for you. Maybe you should have done what you were supposed to do and asked us to go check. Because the problem here is that the seller had to go check it for the one thing that they were asked, but they found out something else was wrong. They're required to fix it. So on the seller side, you do want the money because you don't have to deal with it. So that's a real good conversation when it comes to negotiations, or at least the art of it, is knowing the technicalities of the process and how you use that to your advantage. And But, but you know, on that same line, you got to watch the wording in those, in those amendments because it happened to me a few months ago where it said, we want you to have the peer company come out and do an inspection and it basically was worded as have the peer company come out, do an inspection and do what they said. So mm. she wanted my seller to come out and basically do what a, peer, a sales company wanted them to do as opposed to an engineer. That's right. Not so it, a, not you, that just those, just so you flip those two little words, engineer and, and the peer company. And I, I would halfway agree with what an engineer said, but I'm not going to agree at all in writing to what a peer company said. And not a choo-choo engineer, like a real engineer. Right, yeah, an actual, right. <laughs> so what Mike's talking about on the negotiation side, it's another great point. Unbelievable. Like he's over four today. Um, the You'll have people, you can expose them for where they're at in their career when they do suggest something like he's talking about on the foundation side. It is a very inexperienced move on an agent to have a foundation salesperson go out and inspect the foundation. We don't have foundation sales people to inspect the foundation because they're in the business of fixing foundations and they make a lot of money doing it. That's why they have engineers who are degreed that actually will tell you per limits and requirements that it has to be done. So what Mike's telling you is on the negotiation side, let's say you're on the listing side and someone pulls that stunt like they tried to pull on him. He knows good and well not to accept that, but what he's also under his breath saying, and he knows it, he knows that that person is not as experienced because they would have never suggested that had they known what they were doing. So it gives him an edge if anything else comes up that he knows he's probably right. Y'all, negotiation is all about your experience level in understanding, does that person know what they're doing? That person clearly showed what they're capable of by saying that because that means they do not know. You see this too when someone writes something a certain way. You know, like they, well, actually the same thing Mike said except different. They put fix whatever. That is a very inexperienced move for an agent to say, fix whatever. Y'all, we don't fix whatever, nothing. <laughs> you better tell us exactly what you want fixed. Now, those of you who are like, well, wait a minute, this doesn't sound like negotiation. Like it is. I go, in fact, it's the harder negotiation because the hard negotiation, this is a great point to kind of cut this show off because it keeps going. In fact, we're going to have another episode here in a little bit. But at some point, you will actually gain an edge judging by the way someone 
presents themselves in the um in their writing. One of the worst things for someone who's inexperienced is that their offer, the first communication they have, it exposes what they are. Because you can tell by the mistakes, like person doesn't have any clue what they're doing. Which means if you're experienced, you should have the upper hand on what they're doing. You should be able to say and push them in certain areas because they don't know how to do this. Your actions and your offers in your counters and your amendments, it exposes where you're at in your career by the way you respond. And that really is the heart of negotiations because negotiations start and they end with the level of expertise you have. And when you start showing somebody where you're at, very hard to get out of it once you've already done something wrong. And for those of you who are new, you're like, well, that's unfair, I am new. That's why you go to talk to someone who's a mentor you, you talk to someone who's like in our group and, and that's why we go tell you to go to join swr.com and we tell you all the things that we do because we just don't let you go out there and do that type of stuff because we know better okay i want to thank you guys uh for uh, uh watching we always appreciate everybody we love the fact you share it, especially for any of your friends who are uh new in the business uh you know we don't this show's not done for money we don't do the show uh for any ulterior motives except the fact you get to know us a little bit better and we are trying to be probably as empathetic as possible because we are teaching you the things that most everybody else won't show you how to do. So hope you guys enjoyed. I always appreciate Brent and Mike. Uh, they're just such a super help uh, on the show itself. You guys have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. You guys take care. See ya. This was a Lunatic Digital production. Visit lunaticdigital.com for all your digital needs.